No problem. Amen. We thank God. There they are. Amen. We thank God for his mighty, awesome power here tonight. Amen. I know that you guys really probably don't know who I am. That's okay. I'm a nobody telling everybody about somebody that saved anybody. Come on, somebody. I said, I'm a nobody telling everybody about somebody that can save anybody. Come on, everybody. I am happy that the Lord is here tonight. Amen. We didn't just gather here for a club. We're not in a social club tonight, right? We're here to get our lives changed. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being lied to. I'm tired of a television set lying to me. Come on, somebody. I'm tired of a, of a history book and a science book lying to me. I'm tired of going to a movie or watching a trailer of a movie or jumping on the net and it lying to me and showing me this is what happiness is. This is what real life is. When we know a lot of those people are just puppets or pawns and they ain't living a happy life. They're more miserable than they were before they even got started in the route that they're going. Scientists all over the world are killing themselves, committing suicide. Actors and musicians are getting high as a kite and losing their lives and losing their marriages. And some of them are even killing themselves too. We're sold a bill of goods and we can have a happy life. And we just do like they do, dress like they do, talk like they do, act like they do. Well, that's the dumbest thing we ever did. Actors, when they're acting, they're not really doing that. They get to act so much that they, they don't even know how to act in their real life. But when the problem set is, they don't know what to do. And all the pressures of criticisms and humanity gets on their shoulders. You know, I'm tired of the lies. I'm, I'm ready for some truth. Amen? Amen? And I know that God has revealed to me the truth through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And I know that there's still some lies that I've bought into, some systems of the devil that I'm still kind of locked in. And I want to get set free from them tonight. Amen? Amen. Every time you come into the presence of God, it's an opportunity for you to get transformed. Amen? Amen. Turn your Bible quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I don't even know what I'm doing in here, Jesus. I'm just about to get out of here. Woo! I don't mean like Lee. I'm saying like, let's go ahead and go to another realm. Come on, somebody. I got just, you know, what I got is what I got. Yeah, hold on. Hallelujah. Here we go, Jesus. Come on, Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Let's look in verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Can someone say amen tonight? Yeah. Now, why am I getting y'all to look at that verse so long? I'm going to tell you why. Because we're about to walk by faith and not by what we see and hear. Amen? Because right. by faith right now, I believe that already dispatched from the heavenlies and probably in a warfare, because I felt literally nauseous and vomitable all afternoon long, about 3 o'clock onwards. I told these guys, I said, I don't even know how. I had to get up from eating dinner tonight and walk outside just to try to walk it off. I put on a good face, but man, I just have to be honest with you, I have felt the warfare. And even though I don't see what's going on, I know that demonic principalities and powers are trying to wreck this night for us. Amen? But I also know that I walk by faith and not by sight, and I know on my knower, amen, from my Holy Ghost, amen, that God has already dispatched from heaven's answers and angels and anointings that are going to be unleashed on us that have already begun to come upon us. Amen? I believe that when we begin to spin in this room, I believe an opening happened for us. Amen? When we said yes to the Lord, yes to the Master, we said, okay, Lord, not what we see, but God, what we know by faith. We know that God is for us and not against us. We know that God has sent angels to minister to us. Amen. We know that God has raised us up for such a time as this. Amen. Amen. We know all these things not because of all the conditions that we're facing, not because of how we feel, but we don't. We know them by faith. And sometimes our faith merges with our feeling. Ain't that good, sister? Let's go say amen. Amen. Now here's the rules in here tonight. 
If I say something that you like, something that makes you feel good, you say, amen, hallelujah, that was good. <laughs> if I say something that you don't like, something that makes you mad and want to walk out, you say, amen, hallelujah, that was good. <laughs> you know why? Because I'm going to preach up in this thing, okay? Amen. Whether you want me to or not, amen? Come on. But I like to preach, see, because y'all don't know about my history. See, I, I was an orphan. I mean, at the age of one minute old, my mother decided she didn't want me. She probably decided earlier than that. But she left me in the hospital, y'all. She named me a name that I do not know. I've tried to get that name unsealed through court records. The judges have told me time and time again, you cannot, by law, know your history, know your name, nothing about you. She left me in the hospital. The most that I know about her, she was a 14-year-old drug user. So all the time I'm in my mommy's womb, I'm thinking I'm coming out to live a life with all this excitement. And what I come out is I come out deformed, arms and legs uh, uh, twisted, and eyes crossed because of drug use. She looked at me and didn't want me. So from the age of women and old, I understand what rejection is. So I have felt rejection my whole life, and the devil lied to me and alienated me and had me in this cycle of rejection. No matter what I did, I could never be successful because of the rejection that I felt from birth. Mm. So my mother leaves me there in the hospital. Some nuns from a Catholic orphanage decide to come and have mercy on me and take me into an orphanage. They changed my name from whatever it was to Christopher, which I found out later on in life means for Christ. Come on, Saturday. Come on. I stayed in that orphanage and I lived in several different foster families. One foster family decided that they wanted to keep me. They took me in and they decided they didn't like the name Christopher, so they changed my name to Kyle. So for a period of time in my life, my name was Kyle. Well, a little while later, that family and I didn't work out, and they ended up, uh, the next family I went with didn't like the name Kyle, so they changed my name to Glenn. There was even a time in my life where I lived with an African-American family. And when I went to them and they said, you know, you're our son now and we want you to, you want me to assimilate into the family. You've got Milt as your big brother. You've got Pearlie as your older sister. You've got Jazzy as your brother. You've got Noonie as your sister. And you've got your other brother, Craig, or Booby. We wanted to always have a son by the name of Tyrone. <laughs> So they changed my name to Tyrone. But the only problem is when I was out hanging out with my brothers on the playgrounds and hanging around, you know, people would be like, what's your name, dude? Like, what you doing up in this hood? He said, my name's Tyrone. I'd be like, you better stop lying. I'm like, well, ain't no white boy named Tyrone. They said, your name's probably like Gary. Or Steve. Or Larry. I'm not no Tyrone. I'm telling you, I had the hardest time convincing people my name was Tyrone. I went back to my, my dad, Ronald Scott, and Trisha Ann. And man, Trisha Ann, was, she was a bad mom. And I tried to, you know, I said, Mom, you know, they don't want to they don't want to call me Tyrone. She said, That's okay, baby. You call they call you whatever they want to call you. You my Tyrone. <laughs> when we had our first son, my wife and I, they really wanted me to name him Tyrone, but my wife was not seeing eye to eye on that one. But it doesn't matter. What they call me tonight, amen? amen? What matters is that I'm a child of God. I've been sent by the Lord, even at the last minute. I know some of you were expecting somebody else, but this is who God intended to be here. Amen. And I want you to walk by faith and not by what you see, amen? amen? I want this whole rest of the weekend, as long as you're hearing from me and hearing from the worship that's going on, hearing from pastors, Joe or Elder Joe and Pastor Joe, who I... All of that he is, amen, because he's been a blessing in my life, amen. They could be all of that, amen, because he, he, he plays the part, but he actually, he, he's not only playing the part, he is the part, amen. And so what, what, what I'm here to do this weekend, and if you will trust God through my life, is that I'm here to impart something in your life tonight. And I believe that starts right now in, the, in, in, in this moment with you just beginning to trust the word that's going to come from me. Because I flow differently. I flow prophetically. I may stop the message in the middle of the message and just start flowing prophetically. I make no promises because I stand up here with the Lord. I do whatever he says. I've come to a point where I've had enough of the show. I've had enough of the fake flow. I want what 
is genuine and what is real of God. And what is real of God is not some uh, 30-minute session of us crying and jumping around and then going back and living our old life like we did when we came here. Come on, amen. Come on. Our life is about being transformed. Yes. Every time you come into the presence come of on. God. You will not remember everything that I preach. You probably not even remember 10% of what I preach. But I'm going to tell you what you're going to remember. You're going to remember when God touches you in your life. Amen. And if you allow him to touch you this weekend, you're going to remember this weekend for the rest of your life. You know how I know? Because I remember every single time. Alex, I remember every single time that God touched me. Mm. Come on. Amen. I remember when I was a sinner. 15 years old, homeless, sleeping under trucks that were warm from driving the road all night because I had nowhere to sleep. Uh, knocking on friends' windows in the middle of the night saying, please let me just sleep on your floor. I'll get up in the morning and leave so your parents don't know I'm here. Living my life like that and knowing there were times that I could feel the presence of God protecting me. Mm, come on. Amen. Rescuing me. Yes. With a shotgun over my shoulder with three dudes with ball bats banging down the door, trying to get at me with my legs propped up on a wall, my back against the door, trying to click off a shotgun and shoot whoever's on the other side of that door. I said one thing that I never said in my life. God, help me. Mm. And I'm going to tell you, from that night forward, I can tell you what, God took me up on that call. Amen. Because from that moment on, I can see God try to interject Christianity in my life. And there's some of you here tonight that throughout your life, even when you're not serving God or have not been serving God with a full heart, you can still see the love of the Father. Mm. And it keeps coming back. And He will not relent as we sung tonight. Come on, yes. But guess what? He cannot continue when the heart grows cold and hardens itself. It comes to a point where you become so callous that you'll no longer hear from the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you tonight, there are some of you that are in danger of leaving this weekend. I'm telling you, by the grace of the Lord tonight, if you don't get in to the place and get on to the potter's wheel mm. this weekend, this could be the last opportunity you have to really make it in your life. Come on. For, for, for Jesus to find that destiny that he really created you for. You're gonna, I'm not going to say, I, I, I don't have the liberty to say some of you are just going to fall off and die. Some of you probably will. I don't have that liberty because that's not the prophetic word I have right now. But what I do have is I have the Lord saying that there's some of you that will not go any further with God if you don't get on board tonight. Come on. This weekend. It means you're going to wander aimlessly in your life from job to job. You're going to have a family that's disappointed. You're going to have it until you can come back to the cross of Calvary on, and yes. lay it down and say, I'm willing to give up Jesus. my life because you gave up your life, Jesus, for me. Amen. You're here tonight, and I'm telling you, we believe that together there is power. And when we cry out together, let me tell you something. First of all, God is not a respecter of persons. That's right. What he did in my life, he'll do for your life. What he's done in other people's lives, who you admire in God, he'll do in your life. Amen. God is not a respecter of persons. Amen. What he does in anybody's life, he can do in your life. And he doesn't say, I love this one more than I love that one. Jesus didn't die half price for anybody in here. Come on. He said, he didn't look to say, let me buy, God, I only want to die for the, you know, the cheapest people. He paid full price for you and I. So God is not a respecter of persons. Not only is he not a respecter of persons, he's not a respecter of locations. Come on. He didn't say, you know what, I'm going to overlook Zion Church tonight, or I'm going to overlook the campground in Wisconsin because there's another church that I like better. Or there's another group of young people, or there's another group of people, you know, another country need me more. God is not a respecter of persons, and God is not a respecter of locations. What he does in one place is he breaks out in revival in a Brownsville city in Florida, he can break out a revival in a campground or in the upper room in Zion. Come Amen. On. But guess what? God may not be a respecter of persons or locations, but he sure is an inspector of persons. Mm, come on. And he is an inspector of locations. And what he's looking for is somebody who's saying with him who was on the cross, John 19 and 28, I thirst! Come on. Mm. What was a dying man crying out for? Hanging between heaven and earth? Was it, for a, was it for a doctor to come and rescue him? Was it for somebody to just take him down from the cross? Was it for one more chance to eat a, a, a bowl of food? No. Mm. He was crying out, I thirst. He went back to that essential need. He was crying out a prophetic cry that everyone that comes 
Jesus. Cry with him, I thirst. Come on. You've got to cry it out tonight. Mm. And when you cry it out, God is an inspector of persons. And you cry out with that I thirst attitude. And you cry out and say, God, I am tired of drinking what I've been drinking. It does not satisfy me. Mm. I'm tired of I'm tired of being thirsty and not having anything to drink. I know you're here tonight. Come on. You've got to come to that cross and cry out, I thirst. If you can find the location tonight. If you can find the location of the group of people that will say, I thirst for you, Lord. Maybe they don't want revival there, 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 there. But we want revival here. We're going to continue to cry out and thirst out. And Lord, it's going to come individually. It's going to come corporately. So listen here. This is where our responsibility is. You have a responsibility individually in here tonight. To thirst for God. Not only tonight, but for every day of your life. But when you individually thirst, and when we do it in unity, guess what comes into our lives? It's a corporate anointing, a corporate breakthrough. That's how Metro prays. That's how the church of Jesus Christ goes to the next level. That's how we battle back against the darkness. That's how demons are defeated. When we come into unity, when we cry out, and God respects nothing, but he inspects us. And he inspects the location. And he comes to us and he says, there is a place in the earth that is crying out for revival and they will not stop. Mm, come on. I say yes, I say yes, I say yes. Master. Jesus. Now tonight, we're going to flow and I want to teach you a couple of, of principles that I have learned to live in my life. That, that principle tonight is going to be something I would pray that you can apply into your life almost every day uh, of that you live. Now, this, this, this is, a, a, you know, principles are funny. People spend a lot of money to do research to find out, you know, statistics and to, uh, polls. And we pay tolls. Uh, polls. <laughs> you know, there was a $16 million study done by the senior class at Beijing University in China. It was a worldwide study. They spent $16 million throughout the world researching this for their senior project. And this is what they call, uh, okay, this is what they determined after all their research. They found out that one in every three people is deemed as ugly. One in every three people is deemed as ugly. Look at the person on your left. Okay, now, look at the person on your right. Now, you know what? If neither one of the two is ugly, you know who the third person is. Right? Uh. It's called the ugly principle. I don't put a lot of stock in that kind of research. I think they wasted $16 million. You should have said amen louder than that. Amen. But tonight, I would like to give you a principle that I have researched in my life, that I, I made in my life a sacrifice for this principle. How many of you believe that if a man is married to a woman and has a beautiful family together, and they're living their, their life, they're enjoying their marriage, and all of a sudden, communication breaks down in their marriage, and that man runs out, and he meets another woman and has a one-night stand or he begins an affair relationship, when that news make it back to his wife, how many believe that it is possible that that man could lose his whole family and his marriage? Amen. Right. Let me just see your hand. I'm just trying to see. I'm trying to see everybody here knows that. Okay? I'm going to ask you this. Can a man work hard his whole life on a job that he started at the bottom rung at his job and he showed up on time and He's doing his best to, to make it up the ladder, and he's trying to make friends with the people there, and he's making friends with the supervisor there, and he's working hard, he's putting his time in. And one day he comes to work, and he loses his cool and says some filthy words out of his mouth, and his boss hears him that was just about to promote him. How many believe off of one act of him losing his cool, he could have lost his promotion? Let me just see your hands. How many believe that a person can study hard in school and go and take their test and get their scholarship and go through school and then all of a sudden, right when they're about to take their finals, go out one night, get high and high, drunk as gun, don't make it up in the morning, aren't able to present themselves in a manner in which they can take their test and fail their course and they were trying to get their degree and how many believe that? So what you're saying is in 
disobedience, a person can lose everything. Right. Is that right? Yeah. And one act of disobedience, a person can lose everything. Now, I want to ask you this question. How come if we put so much stock and so much belief in that type of a principle, why we do not believe the same amount of faith Come on. put the same amount of stock in a reverse principle, which is that one person's act of righteousness or one person's act of obedience, they can gain everything. Amen. They can be restored to a lot that has been lost yes. in their lives. Yes. Can you say amen? Amen. Turn your Bible to Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to show you this principle. It's very simple and plain. It's written in the Bible. And then we're going to look uh, in the Bible. We're going to find out what, uh, we're going to find this principle in a story in the Bible. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. I'm reading again from the New King James. For if by one man's offense, or offense, death reigned through the one, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one, one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, also by one man's obedience, Many will be made righteous. What I'm telling you today is this is what we have done. We've gone so negative in our living our lives. We've gone to the negative extreme that we don't realize that the same attitude and same devotion to the negative principles in our lives, we can put the same effort to the positive principle that would reclaim and restore things that have been lost to us. Amen. Say amen. 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 The principle tonight that we're going to learn is going to be called the so-so principle. Everybody say so-so principle. So-so Now, the so-so is not how you're feeling, eh, so-so. No, this principle is also not uh, what you, uh, uh, you know, get out of your wallet. We're going to sell tonight. Come on, somebody. I'll get $19.95, 95 dollars 95 so I can sell some money to my mama. That's not the kind of stove I'm talking about. You want to know what kind of soul I'm talking about? Hang on. Go to Mark. Go to Mark chapter 10. So, so. Someone say so, so. So, so. I'm going to be going up in the house of God for my. Did you so, so this week? Mark chapter 10, verse 46. If you have to say word up. Word up. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to, call, to be called. They called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Walk by faith, not by sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your what? Faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Amen. Now let me just break down this story to you. Perhaps you are like me, and when you read a word, you read in the scriptures, you look and you see different names of people, and you wonder some. People are like, I'm just a brand new father. I'm going to be a brand new father again for the second time. And we've gotten into the meaning of names and stuff like that. Well, in the Bible, names have meaning. How many have ever heard that before? Oh, she's on it. Oh, my God. 
But when I get to Bartimaeus, I'm thinking to myself, Bartimaeus sounds like Timothy, doesn't it? Uh, Timaeus, Timothy, something like that. See, in fact, Timothy means honored by God. Okay? So when you get to Bartimaeus, you're thinking, wow, this dude is already set up for his life because Timothy means honored by God. But when you actually study the word Bartimaeus, you find out that it doesn't mean that. First off, the word in the Old Testament for son was Ben. Right? We get the word Benjamin or Benjamin. Okay? That means son of Jamin. Okay? Or son of my not left hand, right hand. Come on, somebody. Come on. You remember the story? Jacob is going to have the son of Rachel dies. He says, Ben, Ami, which means son of my sorrow. He says, no, you ain't going to be called that for the rest of your life. Come on. I'm taking your name. I'm taking your name to son of my right hand or son of my strength. Because he didn't want to look at that boy his whole life remembering how his wife died in childbirth. Mm. He wanted to say, okay, this is the point that God gave me his grace and gave me his strength. And this son is going to be a blessing to me because I had to pay a great sacrifice and losing my wife for this one son. But when you get into the New Testament, into the Greek, the word goes from Ben to Bar, like Simon Bar Jonah. Simon, son of Jonah. Come on, somebody. Come on. You understand what I'm getting at? Amen. So this is actually saying that Timaeus is son. Bar Timaeus, which means son of Timaeus. Okay? So here we go. We found out the boy is not called Timothy, which means honored by God. It actually means unclean. Timaeus means unclean. So guess what? Every time that his name was called, they were calling him unclean son. Mm. Could you imagine that your name is a cuss word? Could you imagine, in fact, some of you have felt as though your name is a cuss word because of the way that some people have called your name in your life, some of the way that they mumbled it over their mouth, the way that they talked down to you. You can relate to Bartimaeus, who was a beggar, who was blind from birth, and all his life he was being called unclean son. You have a cursed man to deal with here. Come on. Not only that, but we got to take an idea of what location is he in. Someone say Jericho. Jericho. Now, Jericho, wait a minute, y'all. Jericho was taken care of by Joshua now. Right. We all know about the story. He marched around seven days, and the walls fell. And then, you know what I mean? They bang their own home. They did it all for Jesus. And they never, what? They never had that city anymore, right? But bam, bam, bam. Guess what Joshua says? Cursed is the man that rebuilds the city of Jericho. With his sons, he will lay the gates and the walls of the city. Mm. And guess what happens over in 2 Kings 16? There was a man by the name of Hiel who goes and he gets hired by the king to rebuild the city. And he loses both of his sons after he puts up the walls and the gate. So we're dealing with a cursed man leaning up on the wall of Jericho, which is a cursed wall. Hello, somebody. See, I'm putting you in the atmosphere. See, I'm trying to show you the conditions of this, what this guy has been going through his whole life. You've got a cursed man on a cursed wall. And then thirdly, you've got a condition of blindness. Blindness is a curse. It's actually a curse in the Old Testament. The people, if they were uh, found blind, it was one of the curses of breaking the law. Some people became blind because of the sin of their parents. Some people have sin in their life that has transferred from other generations. See, my mother's sin caused my eyes to be crossed when I was born. I'm legally blind in my left eye. You say, well, you didn't do that. I know I didn't, but guess what? We are all paying the price of people who went before us. Amen. That's why we ought to smarten up and make a good way for the people that are going behind us. Come on, come on. Just because we were disrespected, don't mean we have to disrespect the people coming behind us. Amen. We gotta make a way. Come on, somebody yes. say make a way, make a way. Make a way, make a way. So we got a cursed man against a cursed wall in a cursed condition. What a scenario. What an opportunity for God. Yes, amen. 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 This cat has been blind his whole life. And what the world sees as a weakness. God sees as an opportunity to become his blessing. That's why he takes the foolish.
foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He will take where you are the weakest and make you the strongest. Come on, somebody. Yes. If you've got a problem in an area of sin, I'm telling you, that is just because the devil knows it. If you could ever get a hold of that discipline, if you could ever get a hold of that maturity, if you could ever come up in that area of purity, come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. You would stand mildly for the God, for the God that you serve, and you wouldn't be able, you wouldn't be despised as backing over every time someone mm. says something against the purity, that pureness of your life. Amen. Amen. The devil knows that he comes against us in our weak conditions. He tries to keep us debilitated. But God uses his weakness as an opportunity to become his blessing. Amen. You see, there's a, there's a natural design of the brain. We are all born, those of us that have, uh, everybody that has normal senses, you have five of them. Am I right? Yes. We have taste, we have touch, we have smelling. We have hearing, and we have sight. Amen? Amen. And what naturally takes place is if a person is born without the ability to use one of those senses, it's called sensory compensation. The brain actually rewires itself to magnify the other senses. Y'all ain't gonna help me preach, but I'm gonna get my preaching here. I feel like White Tyrone about to get out of this. What people hey. saw as a weakness, Come what on. people cursed him as his whole life was his greatest strength. Amen. Because I'm telling you, you were dealing with an average man. This dude could hear like nobody's business. Amen. Uh, let me tell you, he was a professional beggar. And he knew by that time, I mean, I don't know how old he was, but he was in his middle ages. And he had been there almost his whole life up on that wall. And he was getting money. He was professional. He was a beggar. He knew how to get it done. He could hear the people walking down the road. He could hear the jingle jingle of the coins in the pocket. Come on, somebody. Amen. And when he heard the jingle jingle, he would talk about, Yo money, yo money, yo money, I need your money. <laughs> and he'd get him some money from that dude. And when he heard the people come down the road, he didn't hear nothing going on in the pocket. He talked about, no money, no money, no money. She ain't got no money. <laughs> come on, somebody. Y'all ain't, come on with me. Come on with me, okay? <laughs> Sensory conversation. His hearing is so magnified. He can hear. He can tell who's riding. Is it a fat lady on that camel or what? Because the way that moves are popping. Come on. You laughing, but you know he's trying to hold back laughing. Come on, all right? He got a visual. He's like, what? <laughs> the camel only had one hump when she got on, and she had two when she got off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, you've got this guy, blind Bartimaeus, with sensory compensation. His hearing is magnified in his ears. He is able to hear greater than you and I can hear. He can distinguish who's walking, who's breathing, who's talking. And listen, he's been sitting here daily. What do you think was going on when them, after Jesus got to 30 years old and his ministry broke out on the earth? He heard travelers walking down the road. He began to hear a talk about a, a, a tall, suntan Nazarene by the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And he began to hear about stuff was going on. This guy don't talk like these other uh, Pharisees and Sadducees talk. When he speaks, he teaches with authority. When he, when I'm telling you, man, I have, I have seen him heal people. The Bible said that Jesus came into the city. Then in verse 46, he said, Now they came to Jericho, and he went out of Jericho with his disciples. And look what it said. And a great multitude. You've got to read between the lines, somebody. Come on. Guess what was happening? Jesus comes in the city with just him and his 12. Come on. He was rolling 12 deep. Come on. And he got up in that thing, and the Holy Ghost broke out on Jesus. Amen. He got up. He did a little hug and buck. He, did it. He, he preached his message. And then guess what? Demons started coming out of people. People started getting healed. People started uh, repenting of their sins right there when Jesus was, was, was in the midst of the city. Here you've got this cursed man with his back up against the wall with his sensory compensation. He's hearing what's going on over the wall. He's hearing people get set free. He's hearing a mother say, my child has a demon. He's hearing the demon get cast out. He's hearing Jesus heal these people. He's hearing the crowd gather. He's wondering what they're doing. But on the inside of him, the Holy Ghost is telling him, here comes your chance. You've been hearing about Jesus. Now he's here in your city. 
you've been hearing about Jesus, but now he's here in our midst. Come on. He's, he's here waiting. He's here. He's touching people. Well, he ain't gotten to me yet, but that doesn't make Bar- Barnabas give up, did it? He, something on the inside was telling him this is his time. Something on the inside of you was telling you this is your time. Come on. Yes. See, some of you cannot see what God is about to do in your life, but you sense it. You, some of you, listen, let me tell you something. When a baby is born in this world, it's like they've already been here, but they hadn't seen it yet. Guess what? A baby can hear everything that's going on. It, it's not in this world, but there is a sound that it hears, and it knows there's another realm, there's another world beyond where I'm living. Come on. And when it comes out into the world, it realizes, yep, this is what I've been hearing. There's mommy's voice. There's daddy's voice. Oh, that, who's that singing? Oh, I've been hearing them every Sunday. Hello. Come on. And so it is the same for people who are being born into the kingdom of God. Come on, amen. The people that you and I are touching on a daily basis, and we don't, or we're not touching on a daily basis. See, they were hearing, there's another world. There's a life that's more real. I'm in darkness. See, they can't see it, but they can hear it because God is talking to them. Say, people about to get up out of this thing. He's looking for somebody to bring them into this world. He's looking for somebody to become their deliverer. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. So Bartimaeus is here and he's 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 in this cursed condition and he's up against a cursed wall and he has a, a cursed name and, and he's been professionally begging and he gets to a point in his life where he's like, This is my life, this is it. But something begins to open up in his heart by what he's hearing. Something that's more real than he's ever heard in his whole life. There's finally hope coming to him. He's been told his whole life there's nothing you can do, you're blind. There's nothing you can do. You're, 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 you're never going to serve God. You're never going to get free of that. The devil been lying your whole life telling you you're never going to get free of that. You're never going to be free of that hurt that they did to you. That tragic thing that happened to you. I feel the Holy Ghost messing with people in here right now. Come on. Hope starts coming alive in him. And he realizes when he hears Jesus coming down the road, he, this is my opportunity. This is my opportunity. And what happens? Verse 47. And when they heard, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus! Son of David! Have mercy on me! Come on. And here's, there's no way he's getting past me without him at least hearing my voice. He's going to have to just keep on going. But he's going to hear my voice. Come on. And the people all around are like, shh. Mm. Be quiet. Shh. Don't bother the master. Don't trouble him, man. Keep quiet. Keep quiet, man. Shh. Can't you see he just did a healing crusade? Can't you see everybody's been touched but you? Mm. Come on, man. Come back to, uh, some other time. Just, just wait for him to come back. He might be back next week, or we don't know. But he, he'll be back. Jesus! The Bible says he cried louder. Come on. Come on. Now, here's where I'm going for the principle. See, there is a principle that I call the so-so principle. Say so-so. So-so. The so-so principle, it goes like this. Sudden Obedience brings spiritual opportunity. Sudden obedience brings spiritual opportunity. Let me tell you something. When you suddenly obey God, the minute that he tells you, you don't think the Holy Ghost was all over blind Bartimaeus telling him, you better cry out. Mm, that's right. You better shout out loud. You don't think he was? Then what if he would have just denied the Holy Ghost? What if he would have said, no, uh, you know what, I don't want to embarrass myself. 
And let me tell you something. If anybody knew how to cry out and wasn't ashamed to cry out, it was blind Bartimaeus because he was a professional beggar. But when he cried out, it wasn't like a beggar's cry. Hello, somebody. He was suddenly obeying God because he knew that his opportunity was spirit, his spiritual opportunity was coming to him. His opportunity was coming into his it was coming into existence. See, there's some things that aren't even in existence in your mind because you can't see them. But hope is alive in you, and hope is crying out in you, and hope deferred makes the heart sick. The Bible says, but when the answer has come, it becomes a tree of life. Amen. Y'all anybody know about a tree of life? Amen. A tree of life can make you live forever. Come on. Yes. Anybody know about a tree of life? Amen. A tree of life can make you come up over everything you're facing. It can give you the strength to live when you feel like you can't live no more. Amen. Come on. Amen. And so this, this so-so principle is in operation in this man's life. Now let me tell you something. I've been around the world. I've been preaching the gospel. And one, you know, one thing about... Going around the world, you have got to obey God suddenly if you want to see things happen. First off, to avert danger, you've got to suddenly obey God. Certain situations that I have been in, I just came back from India. They found 151 bombs on the trains that I was riding on. You don't read about that here, do you? No, you don't. You read about one event that happened in Mumbai. I had to suddenly obey God when Saddam Hussein was executed and I was sitting in a cafe while people marched down the road screaming in an Islamic tongue what they were going to do to any American and any Christian that they found. Hmm. I literally had to be smuggled out of the town, smuggled onto a train and get out of there for my safety's sake. Suddenly obeying God is important when it comes to safety, but it ain't always about you. Come on. It's about him using what you got to get what he wants. Mm. And what he wants is another son or daughter. What he wants is another child of the, of the Lord. Amen? Amen. What you, he wants is you to have another brother or sister in the kingdom. What he wants is another deliverance. What he wants is another healing. What he wants is another opportunity to glorify his name. And you shut hey. your man, God. Hey. The opportunities come in your life. So there I was in Sri Lanka. And I was privileged to be standing in a church by a, a, a a pastor by the name of Walter Ratamani. And let me tell you about Sri Lanka. Maybe you've heard Buddhism is peaceful religion as a peaceful religion, but you may not know about the extremities or the Muslim extremists who blow up places, who burn churches down and kill pastors. This pastor, Walter Rajamani, in the middle of the Sunday morning service, because he was having so many conversions in Sri Lanka, he was standing in front of his congregation in the middle of his village, stripped down to nothing, and came, and then hung upside down while they burned his church. Mm. When they cut, when, they, when they, the believers cut him down, he went and told the police, and they locked him in jail for 60 days. I was honored and privileged to be standing with this man, and he invited me to come and to do a healing uh, meeting in his church. So there I am. What do I have to say to these people who are facing such terrible persecution? I don't know, but I thank God for the opportunity, and with humility, I accepted the microphone. And as I began to stand up, and we were in a building that thousands of people were sitting in a building that was probably made for less than 300 people. They were, they were to the edge of the stage and beyond standing outside, peeking through the windows on their tippy toes just so they can hear the message of God. And there I am, and God begins to deal with me, and he says, I want you to tell them that there is a God that knows them by name. Mm-hmm. I began to spend, I began to uh, expound upon that uh, a subject in my heart, and somewhere in the middle of that message, I began to realize that there are people who have come here for healing. They advertised it in the paper that there was a healing meeting coming. People showed up. There were all kinds of people there. And so as I began to preach, God stopped my message and he says, there's a person in here who's just been diagnosed with cancer. And I want you to tell them I'm going to heal them right now. Bring them to the stage. And I want you to know, there are, in Sri Lanka, there are several different languages. I was speaking in English, but one of my interpreters was speaking in Sinhala, and another interpreter was taking what they were saying in Sinhala and translating it into Tamil. Can you imagine preaching a message like that? I mean, every time you talk, you've got to wait for two more people to talk before you can talk again. I'm like, God tells me to say, there's a woman in here who has cancer. 
uh, in this area. They thought when she fell, she had done something to herself. So they, a couple of the ladies pick her up and bring her to the bathroom. They unwrap her, and she, as she's beginning to come to, because the power of God has been, you know, just totally lambasted the lady. And they, she started to come to, she starts screaming, saying, don't touch my leg! And they get to her leg, and they open her leg, part right there, and there's nothing there. What literally happened is the power of God went through her foot, pushed the tumor out, and that's what you see, the bloody semi-scurple with the little pieces all over the place. Because I suddenly obeyed God. Someone got a spiritual opportunity. That lady got saved. Not only did she get saved, her whole family got saved. Come on. Come into that yes. You're a dead person. Yes. I'm about a miracle yes. that happened because you suddenly obeyed God. Amen. Come on. God is not a respectful of persons. He don't love me more than he loves you. He didn't love that lady any more than he loves you. Mm. He's just saying, is somebody going to obey me in the suddenlies? Come on. And with Come on. what I'd say now, will they do it now? Or will they wait and take their time and just, you know, we'll get back to it later, Jesus. I'm working on this right now. Mm. Well, I've done a lot for you already. I, you know, it's too much more for you to ask for. I've already sacrificed this. I, I'm not ready to sacrifice that. Or are you going to say, suddenly, mm. I'm going to obey God. Because if Amen. you operate by the so-so principle, you're going to operate by the dodo principle. Mm. <laughs> and anybody knows about a dodo, a dodo is extinct. Come on. Dodo birds. And dodo is this. Dio, Dio. I could have called it the doo doo principle, but I don't know if Pastor Joe will let me back. <laughs> Dio, Dio. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Mm, come, on. come on. You understand that? <clears throat> if you delay your obedience in obeying God, what He's asked you to do, mm. that is also disobedience. That's and right. disobedience is what? Sin. Amen. And sin cuts you off from the blessings of God. Sin cuts you off from the presence of God. Don't tell me I can get into God's presence with sin because he won't let you in there. Amen. He cannot let somebody come into his presence. I'm not saying you don't feel his presence, but I'm saying like, if you want to be accepted in the beloved, if you want to see God change your life, you're going to have to get rid of the sin and quit delaying your obedience. Amen. Because you're really just being disobedient. You said, well, you know, I'm going to do it just a little bit. Or I'm doing some... But I'm not doing it at all. You know, a couple weeks ago I was in Canada, and I have the privilege. God takes me to, to, to places. I prayed for a lady who is literally on her last uh, uh, evaluation. She's becoming a heart transplant doctor. And she came to me, and she was talking to me about she's in lab, and she's frustrated, and she has this one heart that is, is she's putting in, and only half of it's functioning. That she needed me to pray for her so that she could figure out this. And God began to talk to me about people that are half-hearted. For God. Come on. When people get heart transplants, they don't get half of their heart transplanted. Mm. They get the whole thing. When you come to God, the Bible says we get a heart transplant. Amen? Amen. He takes our old heart out of us and gives us a new heart, a heart that's softened to God. Mm. And I believe that people in here that delay their obedience only half their heart is working for God. Come on. If you delay your obedience tonight or any time that God speaks to you, you're disobeying God. You're here tonight. Holy Spirit has been speaking to you. And you're saying, I, I know there are areas God has asked me to suddenly obey Him. But I haven't suddenly obeyed Him yet. I'm telling you, tonight is the night. Yes. Tonight is the night to begin to suddenly obey God. When you suddenly obey God, that means that if you're at your gas pump, or you're at the Walmart, or you're at the McDonald's, and God begins to tell you to minister to the lady behind the counter, and you don't realize what you're saying is about to change her life. You don't know what she's going through. She's handing you your coffee with a smile, but inside she's wondering, is there anybody that's going to help me and my kids? Is there anybody that loves me in this world? It's, you don't know that person that's at the school locker that's about to go home and blow their brains out. I was in Atlanta, and a young man came to me in tears after I gave an altar call. He says, I can't live with the guilt anymore. I know God told me to talk to somebody, and I didn't. And when that person got off the school bus, they went home, and they killed their mother and their brother. Will you pray for me? Man, I prayed for him. You know, but he had to process through that disobedience. If he would have just said something, he might have averted somebody killing their parents, or their mom and their, and their brother. See, I'm telling you, lies are coming across your intersections in life every single day. And we are so blind to them because we're so caught up in our agenda. We're caught up in what we're doing. Mm, come on. We are a narcissistic church. If yeah. I've ever seen one in yeah. my life, it's, it's this church that's living today. Amen. We're all about us. Yeah. 
When you go to pray, it's all about me, 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 me. What can you do for me? Jesus, do it for me, 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 me. Come on. Sudden obedience, man. Sudden obedience gets it so far off of you, you realize, man, I could have never done stuff. I didn't just go ahead and do it because God told me to do it. I'm telling you, man, there's some of you that have got to go, got to go around the world and you're never going to get there until you suddenly obey God. Some of you are called to have businesses. Listen to me, I'm speaking prophetically to people. Here. Some of you are called to have businesses that you'll never have. There'll be dead dreams, dead dreams inside of you because you don't suddenly obey God. Because when you suddenly obey God, you get to sit on the airplane next to the somebody. Come on. When you suddenly obey God, you purchase that ticket, or you're in the right place at the right time. You do those things. You open up your mouth. You're not ashamed, and you say, okay, I realize that, God, you're a lot bigger than I am, and you're getting me to a place where I need to be. And you start to realize that, you know what, even though I had plans to be somewhere else, even though you had plans for somebody else to be here, because your pastor suddenly obeyed God, I'm here tonight. Sudden obedience brings spiritual opportunity. If you have disobeyed God, if you are disobeying God right now, and you know it, in your life, the only thing you can do to get to the right place is to suddenly obey Him. Amen. Suddenly obey Him in that relationship. Suddenly obey Him in that area of your life. Suddenly obey Him in your marriage. Suddenly obey Him with your children. Suddenly obey Him with your parents. Suddenly obey Him with your church. Come on. Suddenly obey Him in your career choice or your lack of career choice. Suddenly obey Him in your schooling. Mm. I'm telling you, folks. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if White Tyrone ain't got on your door tonight and not, he's knocking right now. Come on. I'm knocking right. because suddenly God is coming into your life and He wants to change everything that you think is okay. Mm. Because He's trying to show you that there's so much more to life than what you're living. Amen. The Creator of heaven and earth standing on your behalf, making intercession for you, saying, Father, I know they're going to obey you tonight. And when they do, Lord, release it in their lives. You know what blind Bartimaeus didn't say that time when he cried out, Jesus, son of Nazareth, have mercy on me. He wasn't begging because the Holy Ghost revealed to him that this was different. There, was, there comes a time in our lives where we don't have to beg anymore because we realize it's God is reserving things for this church. God is reserving things for people's lives. Man, I'm telling you guys, you guys came here this weekend, man. I'm telling you, this is a reserved weekend for you. Mm. You don't have to beg God to do anything in your life. You just need to obey him. Amen. 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 Come on, amen. amen. I'm telling you, man, I, 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 I'm personally touched by the effort that you made to come here. This weekend. Jesus, amen. I don't know if you guys, and I'm not trying to embarrass you. Please forgive me if I am. I don't know if you guys understand that. You know, there's some guys, there's some friends of Pastor Joe that came here just to hear a word from God. You know how, you know how when you go suddenly obey God and He just does something for you because you just made that effort? Mm -hmm. These guys are going to get blessed. They're already being blessed. Amen. Amen. I'm blessed because I've seen them. Amen. 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 Sister, will you come to the keyboard and let's let let's let the Lord minister to us for just a minute. I'm telling you, you can already see the hearts are soft right now. God is already showing you where where you have disobeyed Him at. Listen, God is not ready to beat you up over your disobedience. That's the devil. What he's saying is, man, son, daughter, I want you back. I want you back in my fullness. I want you back. And if you've never been in his fullness, man, you have such a you have such an exciting life to look forward to. If you've never walked into the presence of God and you said, Oh God, who are you? And God just begins to talk to you and touch you, and you can't even get out of that, you can't even get out of his presence, you can't even explain it when you're done, and when you go back to your, your bed at night, he's still touching you, and you're thinking about, wow, how'd that even happen? The lies of Hollywood, and the lies of the music, and the lies of the internet, and science, and history, and all those things don't even matter, because you know the truth. And even though you can't explain the truth, you know it's in you now. And you're dying and living for every moment that the truth can come to other people. That's how I'm living my life right now. Because the truth is, I was bound in my sin. I was a whoremonger. I was a crack addict and a crack dealer. I was a gun-toting and knife-toting son of a gun. And I lived my life 
to make other people laugh while I was dying on the inside. I lived my life to make everybody else enjoy their life. But I was dying on the inside. I was already dead. But when I was in the midst of my sin, God spoke to me and told me to abandon and leave this party. It literally was in my house. It was filled to capacity. People were getting high and drunk and doing everything else under the sun in my house. And God spoke to me and said, leave that place. Listen, with your eyes closed, your heart wide open, God's going to touch you. Leave this place. I remember walking in the woods and I looked up in the, in the sky and I saw the moon and the stars and the atmosphere up there and I looked at them and I, for the first time I realized these are not here by an accident. I said, somebody put them there. Somebody made those. I happened to be standing in front of a tall pine tree. I had a beer in my hand and I was sipping from that beer and I looked at that pine tree up and down and I looked at it and I said, you know what, this pine tree didn't get here by accident. It grew up, but it was somehow it was planted. Somehow it, somebody put it here. And I took that swig of that beer and when I put it on my lips for the first time, I realized, what am I doing? It tasted foul. It was... It was a lie, and I realized it at that moment. And I threw that beer as far away from me as I could get it. And I began to realize that my whole life I thought I was an accident because of the rejection I felt at one minute old. I thought I was an accident. I'm not even supposed to be here. I'm a mistake. And I realized for the first time in my life that I was in a mistake, I was in an accident, and all that God planned my life. And even though a mother in this earth didn't want me, I had a father in heaven that said, if you just give me a chance, I will change your whole life. And I'm telling you what happened to me was tremendous. I knelt down there. I don't even know what kneeling was, but I did it that day. And I knelt down there and I began to cry. And I'm telling you, I don't mean to be gross. I began to cry so hard that I'm telling you, my nose was running, my eyes were running. I was screaming in my stomach. It just hurt so bad and I just began to cry out because I realized I didn't only think that I was a mistake, but I blamed everybody else in my life for my problems when the real responsibility was that I had done the mistakes too. And that hurt me so bad because I realized that I had excuses for why I was living like I was living. And the truth was that God didn't even have to let me live like that because I was just doing it myself. God wanted me to live a life free from that. I didn't have all the words. I didn't know what to say. But I said this one thing. I said, God, my life is a mess. And if you could do anything with my life, I'd give you my life. And it was that night, like I told you when you came in here tonight, I'll never forget that because God touched me in the woods. I'll never forget that night because he touched me. Something happened to me that night, and I'm not the same. And I'm telling you, that was a suddenly obedient moment where I just walked out of my house, walked out of the way I was living, and God began to just open my eyes and say, man, this is a waste. And some of you in here tonight, it's been progressive. You've been realizing it little bit by little bit like I was. From that time when I cried out, God help me, with that shotgun over my shoulder when I was just about to blow somebody's head off. God stopped me. Turned those guys down the stairs. They, they quit banging against the door. They left that place because I believe God rescued me that night. And He didn't only rescue me that night, but He rescued me that night at that tree. He didn't only rescue me that night, but He rescued me a couple months ago in India with all those bombs on the train. He keeps rescuing me. And He keeps loving me. He keeps bringing me to people that need Him. And I know it's nothing I've done, nothing that I've earned, but I just simply obey Him suddenly. You suddenly obey God and spiritual opportunity comes to Him. You're here tonight and you say, I've been disobeying God. You're here tonight and you say, you know what? I, I obey Him some things. I don't obey Him. I've delayed my obedience to Him in all the areas of my life. He's asking me to give up something I haven't given. If God has told you to do something and you haven't done it yet, you're disobeying God. You're delaying your obedience. If God has told you not to do something and you're still doing it, you're disobeying God delaying their obedience. And I'm here tonight to tell you, with your eyes closed, your heart wide open, that God is ready to receive you back 
without the begging, without the explaining, when you just come and you say, Lord, I am tired of this life. I'm tired of this disobedience and I'm ready for this change and I repent. Repent means to change your heart, to confess to God all that it is that you know that you've been doing is wrong and just say, Lord, this is what I know I've been doing wrong. This is what I've been doing against you. And you just confess that. You know what? It's not just for him. It's for you. You know what? When you say those things and when you mean those things and when that, you process that, it comes out of your life. The devil no longer has a hold over that area of your life with your head bowed, your eyes closed, your heart wide open. And as God has been touching you tonight... You say, you know, Brother Glenn, I'm going to suddenly obey God right now at this moment. There's something in my life that I've disobeyed Him at. And I believe that tonight God wants me to obey Him. And I believe that He wants me to do it publicly in front of, my, in front of the people that I'm with right now. Thank you, Lord. Do it, Jesus. And that's you tonight. And you say, I'm going to suddenly obey God. I've delayed my obedience, but I'm going to obey Him right now. And I'm going to get it right. I'm going to take it to an altar. I'm going to take it to Calvary. I'm going to take it to the cross. Come on, man. See, you can't even wait. Come on, bro. See, there are people in here that can't take it no more because God is just dealing with your heart. You know, see, I don't even have to tell you. You know what you need to do. Suddenly obey Him. Get out of your seat. Suddenly obey Him. Find a place, a corner. Find a chair. Find find the floor. Find.